Let's bow for prayer real quick. Dear Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would be among us today, uh, would help us to understand your word, what you want us to get out of it, and how you want us to apply it. Lord, we thank you for the power that you've given us. Uh, We ask that you would continue to uh, encourage us, to motivate us, to put us in 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 a place where we can do your work. God, I pray over Colony Christian Church, uh, that we might be bold in sharing your good news. Amen. Today, we're going to talk about something that is exciting, but maybe you don't hear a whole lot about in your Christian life. Uh, It's called the Ascension. It's in your Bibles. Uh, It takes up but but a few verses, but it's an important part of our Christian faith. It all starts in the beginning. Where is the beginning, you might ask? It is, of course, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God begins by creating things. He creates the world, and He creates the, the oceans, and then He creates a man. He creates you and I. And... There's more than him when he creates us. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So in the beginning, God is obviously not there by himself when he created man. Interesting. So, probably we could say that uh, there is... uh, uh, most definitely the Holy Spirit and Jesus there with God in the beginning. Jesus is there with Him. You know, in the Old Testament, the prophets spoke of a coming Messiah. We hear about Jesus through the Old Testament prophets. And then the Messiah is born, the incarnation of God. God becomes flesh in baby Jesus here on earth. Jesus taught and He did miracles while He was here on earth. And then He dies on a cross as the Old Testament and as He Himself foretold. And then, you know, we spoke of most of our Christian heritage, but one more thing that we uh, proclaim is His resurrection. This is kind of where we... We top it all off. The climax, the resurrection. This is where we celebrate Easter. It's so exciting because the grave has been conquered. Jesus comes to life again. This is like the main point. And it seems to round everything off. All of our Christian story right there. But wait, there's more for your small one-time payment of $29.99, you get more. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back, but, but wait. Where's He coming back from? Where is He at? Where did He go? Coming back from where? See, after the resurrection, Jesus was still hanging around. Right? He, he spoke to the disciples. Uh, he spoke to other people and he taught them and he was walking around. But we don't see him in body form nowadays. 
He's not sitting with us in physical body in church today. So, I mean, you know, we have Jesus' body, the body of Christ that lives in us. The church, the body of Christ, we are his body, but in body form, we don't see Jesus. Which means at some point, Jesus stopped being on the earth in body form. When was that? That should have been an important event. We should all know about that, right? It is an important event. Thank you, Darren, for pointing that out and reminding us of that last week in your communion meditation. This is the ascension. When Jesus was taken up to be with God. Jesus' earthly ministry is not complete without the ascension. It's like the finale at the end of the fireworks display. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, which is what text we will be working out of today. Acts chapter 1, 6 through 9. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking Him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel or to, and to restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem and throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. There it is, folks. That's the ascension. And the disciples, when they seen that, the apostles, they were standing there watching, just looking up, watching as Jesus went up. It's kind of like the fireworks finale when all of us stand there with our mouths open at the amazement of what's happening. The finale. The ascension enabled some things to happen. Number one, it enabled the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Interestingly enough, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, uh, He comes upon them with flames and fire. Like the finale. This is what we call the day of Pentecost, and it happens later on. It's not the same as the Ascension Day, but the day of Pentecost, we read about in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, everyone present, was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The first thing of the three main things that we get with the ascension of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. On Pentecost, 
everybody was caught on fire. They were all running around with a fire of the Holy Spirit, spreading the good news, speaking in other languages. Uh, Let me give you a translation. They were doing what needed to be done to get the word of God out. Everyone there was from different places, people speaking all different languages. Somehow they needed to be spoke to in their own language and boom, the power of the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to preach the good news to everyone there regardless of what language they spoke. At that point in time, languages are needed. At any given time, we have the Holy Spirit to give us what we need to do His work. Pentecost happened. In other words, we could say the Holy Spirit came. Same thing as the Pentecost came because of the ascension. Now, this isn't to say that the Holy Spirit couldn't be here on earth uh, before the ascension. And it's not that the Holy Spirit uh, and Jesus can't be at the same place at the same time. We see uh, the Holy Spirit's evidence of Him being around before the ascension and even in the Old Testament before Jesus came. But, uh, you know, we don't see them on a large scale at the same time. There's nothing that says that they can't be in the same place at the same time. But Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 7, But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the Advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. It would appear that the Holy Spirit in all His strength comes to us after Jesus goes away. Goes away in Jesus' own words. This is the ascension. Now, it would be great to have Jesus here to teach us. Just imagine what it would be like to learn from Jesus face to face. Like learning a lesson from your father or from your mom or from your teacher. You could ask him anything in the world. And I bet most of us have a whole bucket full of questions that we want to ask Jesus when we see him. Wouldn't it be so cool to be able to, uh, to be with him like that? My wife has uh, been watching The Chosen and so the rest of us in the family get to watch it. She's probably uh, got you <clears throat> hooked on it too. I don't know. But it, it's an amazing uh, a video of just uh, Jesus' time. And while you're watching this, just to see the interaction between the disciples and Jesus or the random people like Mary Magdalene and Jesus is just amazing. You get so tied up in that event. And that's a TV show. Imagine what it would be like in real life to see Jesus, to be able to learn from Him. It would be great. But he had to go so the Holy Spirit could come. Which would you rather have? Now, this isn't a, a, a realistic question, but if, if I were to say, 
would you rather have the Jesus? Would you rather have Jesus or the Holy Spirit? If I were to ask that um, in a general uh, consensus, I think I would hear the answer: um, Jesus. Just because you know we know Jesus. Jesus uh, forgives us. Jesus is loving. The, the Holy Spirit. We we're not quite sure. We don't know, but but. Jesus is the safe answer. I'd rather have Jesus uh, with us right now than the Holy Spirit. And, and listen, there is not one better than the other. One commentary I read by Mark Moore says, Make no mistake, the Holy Spirit is not a cheap substitute for Jesus. The Holy Spirit has the same heartbeat as Jesus, and the same mission as Father God. And He does offer us one advantage that we don't see in the resurrected Jesus. The Holy Spirit can be equally present with every Christian at the same time. Maybe this is why Jesus said, it is best for you that I go away so that the Holy Spirit could come. Remember the great commission Jesus gives to us and the disciples uh, in Matthew chapter 28. This was what he gave us after his resurrection, uh, before the ascension. He says, go, make disciples, immerse them in me and teach them, teach them all the good things about my ministry. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that we are studying today, tells us, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Telling, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of of the earth. Folks. To the ends of the earth. Telling people about me everywhere. It's your God-given job to tell people everywhere about Jesus. How are you doing with that? I mean, if you were to be paid commission based on how many people you told about Jesus... Are you making it? Now, this isn't to say that you have to convert people. No, no. That's uh, the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of Jesus in their hearts. You have to deliver the good news. That's all you have to do. Now, I don't mean that this is linked at all with salvation. It is not. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But if we be obey Jesus and His command, we are going to spread His Word. If we love others like Jesus commands us to do, then we are going to tell them about His saving power to the ends of the earth. Everyone we can. Boy, I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Spirit to do my part. I need His help. How, how is the Holy Spirit going to help? You might ask yourself that question. How is He going to help me? 
Uh, maybe you ask yourself, do I even have the Holy Spirit? <laughs> One time, uh, I, I had, a, I had a, a sermon to give. It was actually a eulogy at a funeral, and I had to deliver this, this funeral message. And um, the morning of, I couldn't find my script. I couldn't find my outline paper. And I looked for everywhere, everywhere for it. And I had printed it out the night before and it was all ready to go. And man, I couldn't find that thing. And it got to the point where I, I couldn't wait any longer. I had to go show up at the, at the funeral. And I, couldn't have to, I didn't have time to run to the church to print it off. I didn't, didn't have a printer at home at that point. I was starting to be stressed out. Now, I could show up on Sunday mornings and get up here and probably wing it. Uh, Y'all would probably know, though. But to a a funeral, I was out of luck. It was a bad deal. So as I drove there, I was scratching notes on a a piece of paper at my side, um, what I could remember of my sermon so that when I get there, I could have something to say. And then... As I was always walking in there, and I flipped to the scripture that I was going to read, and there was my sermon. All folded up, small, inside of my Bible. I put it there so I wouldn't forget it and wouldn't lose it. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is like this, guys. Sometimes we think, do I have the Holy Spirit you know, you can't see it, you don't find it, you're looking for it maybe, but it's there all the time. If you have put your trust in Jesus, put your faith in Him, accepted His command to obey Him, then you probably have the Holy Spirit. You're just not seeing it. It's right there where you need it. Sometimes maybe it's like uh, silencing your phone. You get a phone call and... and uh, you look at it, and I don't, I don't have time. So you push that button on the side so it stops vibrating or stops ringing. Um, you know, maybe you don't even look at it. You, th- you don't even look to see whose name it is. It's in your pocket. You're so busy, you just, I'll get it later. And you, you silence it. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, giving you these small prompts. Hey, I want you to do this. I want you to talk to this person. And you're like, nah, not right now. Or... Maybe you say, I'm not sure who it is. I don't think that's the Holy Spirit. You don't even think about it, so you just silence it. The Holy Spirit is probably telling you to do things. So often, He does me. We have to be in tune with what He is telling us. He gives us power. Verse 8, this verse says that He will give us the power. What is power? I don't even know what power means when the Holy Spirit is giving it to us power. Is it the power like, is it, is it that kind of power? Is it the power that is under the hood of my Ford Ranger? Probably not. <laughs> what kind of power? Is it governmental, political power like a leader? Like that kind of power. That's what all the Jewish folk were looking for. But it's not that kind of power. They were looking for that in Jesus. It's power. I don't know what it is at first, but I want the power of the Holy Spirit. We all want the power of the Holy Spirit. It sounds like a good thing. 
I want the power because the power will help me do what I need to do, right? Oh, that starts to make sense. Look at this verse. How you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. This Greek word for power in this situation is the ability to perform an activity. The ability to do something. What is this activity? What is this that we get power to do Spread the good news. Folks, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do this. We can do it. Now the next time that the Holy Spirit speaks to you, next time He says, hey, I want you to go tell that person about Jesus, then I want you to puff your chest out as you walk to that person and sing, I've got the power. Because this verse says that you have that power and you can share the word of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Your job, you can do it. This is from the Holy Spirit. The second, second of the main, thing that, of the main things that we get from the ascension of Jesus is a completion of of redemption. Now, what do I mean by that? Completion of redemption. You see, Jesus is still working in us. He's uh, still saving people today. Yes. So, why was the ascension the completion of redemption? He is still working with us. But, the full price that had to be paid for everyone, for anyone to be saved from sin, both in the past and in the present and in the future, has already been paid. What needed to be done has already been done to redeem everyone. Jesus showed up to work. That's earth. He came to earth. And He did His good work and he made the payment for our sin. And then he went home at 5 o'clock when his good day's worth of redeeming work was done. You can't do a good day's worth of work without going home. Would you agree? Otherwise, it would be like not a good day's worth of work. John chapter 17, verse 4 through 5, Jesus prays to God. He says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work, completing the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Links it back to in the beginning. Jesus had to go home. Let me read John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6 to you. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Jesus says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust also in God. 
Trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. He is the way maker. He is making a big old place up there for us to live. Now, how are we going to get to the big house if Jesus doesn't go there first to make the way for us? We can't get there on our own. So Jesus has to ascend to complete the way. Let's look at the range of Jesus. So we talked about in the beginning, Jesus is with God, and if we put it in perceptual vision, we would say Jesus is up here with God. And He comes all the way down here to earth to be with us. It's where we are. He lives life uh, with us, as us, for us, but perfect, unlike us. And then He He dies the same kind of death, although very horribly. And he was perfect, so he didn't deserve it. And he goes down into the grave. Then he comes back up out of the grave because God resurrected Jesus. Jesus was raised from the grave. And he's here on the earth again. Still we have God. Remember, Jesus came down. And then he went down. And then he come back up. And then, the ascension. Jesus is here. He goes back up to see God. That's quite a range. Jesus is got a lot of miles, if we could say that. Came way down here to take us way up there. It's the completed cycle. He came from heaven in the first place. And he returns there to complete the redemption plan. You say, preacher, the ascension sounds great. It sounds like a wonderful happening. But how do we know that it really happened? How do we know it's true? After all, the only books that record this specific event happening are Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts. And Luke wrote both of those books. So, how do we know that it really happened? Well, let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Luke tells us this in the first part of his record. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among are among us from early disciples having carefully investigating everything from the beginning I also have decided to write an accurate account for you most honorable Theolopus so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught having carefully 
investigated eyewitness reports. By the way, these eyewitnesses that Luke is uh, investigating carefully are there living. He's not investigating the eyewitness reports. He's investigating the eyewitnesses. He wrote accurately so that we can be certain of these things. Now, simple historical account is what we have of Jesus' ascension. We just read most of it. The disciples were there, and Jesus went up into the, to the sky to be with God. And there were some angels there that we'll read about in a little bit. Uh, a simple historical happening. Now, if, if they were to make that up, uh, wouldn't it be so much more glorious than that? Take, for instance, the stories of other um, mythical, uh, what do you want to call them, people in our history that... that uh, goddesses, gods like Hercules, uh, Muhammad, um, just a long list of people who supposedly ascended. We hear stories of their ascensions, and um, they're like this. Hercules, uh, and I'm really unclear as to how it all works. Maybe you know more about it than I do, but evidently his wife was using someone else's blood to make clothing for Hercules because it would make him fall more in love with his wife, and when he put on the, the, the clothes, the blood was actually poison blood, and so that it made uh, Hercules to be sick, and it, his skin started to burn, and then uh, he asked them to take him up on top of the mountain and throw him into a fire because he knew he was going to die, and then a storm cloud came, and it just, it, I mean, that's pretty, pretty amazing, right, or crazy, or uh, pretty non-believable. Our account of Jesus' ascension was Jesus went up and seen God. No uh, flamboyant, uh, unbelievable, crazy thing that was made up. It's, It's referred to a lot, by the way, the ascension in prophecy. So we read about it, the, the actual account in the book of Luke and the book of Acts. But it's referred to everywhere else in the Bible. The uh, prophecy of David in Psalms chapter 68, verse 18. I'm just going to read to you a few of these verses. Uh, Psalms chapter 68, verse 18. David says, When you ascend to the heights, you led a crowd of captives. Paul gives commentary in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verses 9 through 10 on this very verse from Psalm 68. Uh, Paul says, notice that he says, ascended. He ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. That was Ephesians. Paul also says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 11, But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. 
seated. How can he be seated at the place of power at God's right hand if he's not with God ascended to heaven? And Jesus says in John chapter 3 verse 13 that no one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. Jesus says in Luke chapter 22 verse 69, but from now on the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, which we're not exactly sure who the writer of Hebrews is, chapter 1, verse 3, uh, they say, when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Peter says in his book, 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 22, now Christ has gone to heaven He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and all the authorities and powers, uh, all the authorities and powers except his authority. So, by the way, after the ascension, um, the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus uh, ceased like the ascension recorded in our Bible, we don't see any more after that Jesus appearing to everybody else. Um, if, if this were to be made up by the church, uh, why, why would they make that up? If they were going to make something up, wouldn't it be better to continually uh, continue to see Jesus a one-on-one so that the church could continue to grow under the direction of Jesus, to have him there with them? Bottom line is, If God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can raise him from earth to heaven. It's the completion of our redemption. The third thing that we are assured from the ascension of Jesus is that he is coming back. Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11 After saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Angels. This verse says that they were standing there among them. They they suddenly stood among the men. This text here is the Greek is is a present state of having stood there. The idea is that the angels were there, and the disciples they weren't noticing that the angels were right there. The angels are typically impressive uh, impressive figures. Other places in the Bible where we see uh, angels coming to see people, uh, the first thing they tell the people in the the text is, is don't be afraid. Because the natural reaction when you see an angel is you you fall to the ground, you're scared to death. Because they're such amazing, such uh, uh, dangerous, such scary figures. But 
the disciples don't even know that they're there, it would seem. They're standing there, gawking, because they couldn't see Jesus any longer, just gawking in the sky instead of going. Jesus told them right before this, you'll receive power and then you go to the ends of the earth with my message. But they're so stuck there, which I would have been too probably, that they didn't even notice the angels standing beside them. And, and so finally the, the angels in this verse, they, 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 they break in, they say, uh, Hey fellas, or men of Galilee, you know what you just saw? Someday, someday Jesus is coming back in the same way. The same way that's going to happen. Now, 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 you better get to going. Get to work. Better be ready. Matthew chapter 24 verse 42 says, Keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Verse 44 of that same chapter, 24 of Matthew, Be ready at all, be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. It's easy to get excited about the return of Jesus. I want to celebrate that every day. I want to focus on that. And I get so worked up about it. Maybe some of you do that sometimes you think, well, nothing else matters. I'm just waiting for Jesus to come. And that's great. That's great. Uh, but there's, there's things to do. You see, uh, James chapter 5, verse 7 says, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. I take from this that we're not supposed to sit here tapping our foot waiting for Jesus to come back. This is having courage. This is being patient. This is uh, knowing that it's going to happen, continuing the work that Jesus tells us to do until it does happen and when it does. The book of Revelation, chapter 11, verse 15. When it does. When Jesus comes back, Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven, The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. This is when our Savior comes back for us. At this point, the text continues to say that the 24 elders were there and they fell with their faces down uh, and they worshipped Jesus. We give thanks to You, Lord God, the Almighty, the One who is, who always was. For now, You have assumed Your great power and have began to, You have begun to reign. The nations were filled with wrath. But now the time of your wrath has come. 
And then in verse 19, Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened and the ark of His covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed and roared and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. We folks don't have to fear the lightning and thunder. We don't have to fear the earthquake and the hailstorm because our faith in our Savior who came to earth to do the work that God had planned for Him to do. And then He died to finish that work. He was resurrected. And then the ascension where He completed it all, He gave us His Holy Spirit. He did what was needed to completely redeem us And He's coming back again. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You so much for the Word that You give us today, for the Bible that has Your living words in it. God, I pray that You would help us to continue to take that Word to the ends of the earth. Lord, thank You for the Holy Spirit's help. Thank You for the power that He gives us to do Your work, Lord. Pray that you would have us to boldly do this. Thank you for forgiveness, Lord, for redeeming us. So often, God, we feel unredeemable. We feel like we come to a point where there's no way we can be forgiven, but God, you say that's not true. You forgive us, and we put our faith in you. We ask for that. We repent. We turn the other way. We accept your love. For it is great and mighty. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.